Support is provided in part by Conway Shield. Those who answer the call and risk it all for the safety and well-being of others deserve someone willing to give their all in return. Conway Shield is built on the shoulders of three service legacies. Customizing the nation's very best firefighting shields has expanded to providing the most effective technology, tools, and training for today's fire and law leaders. Learn more at ConwayShield.com. Welcome to the Leadership Under Fire, Humanizing the Narrative podcast. I'm your host, Patty Murphy. In this episode, we're revisiting a conversation I had with Hannah Huseman in 2019 while she was a mental performance coach with the Philadelphia Phillies. Huseman has since accepted the role of mental performance coordinator for the Texas Rangers organization. She also travels for speaking engagements on how training your mental skills can help any performer. She's worked with the FDNY, MLB, business executives, actors, and athletes of all ages. She's also the host of hashtag Mental Sweat Monday on Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. This is a one-minute video posted every Monday of different strategies to help you work on your mental game. I caught up with her recently to discuss her endeavors since 2019, so first you'll hear that discussion, followed by our original conversation. Hannah, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you for having me, Patty. Excited to be here. Let's bring our listeners up to speed professionally with your current role as the mental performance coordinator for the Texas Rangers. I just want to note that you held the same title with the Phillies before joining the Rangers. So how is this work that you're doing with the Rangers similar or different to the work that you were doing with the Phillies organization? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a good question. Um, and it, it was kind of a unique situation. It is the same role, but the Phillies, it was more, well, it started off the same where we were kind of building a program within their whole organization of mental performance. And then we got to a point where it was built and foundations were set and it was more coordinating the other mental performance coaches um, and making sure everybody was set and what they were doing and how they were doing it. And then transitioning into the Rangers, they had had a couple mental performance coaches in the past, but didn't really like where it was headed. So it was kind of starting from ground zero. We, we redefined our definition of mental performance for them. We redefined the fundamentals of what mental performance skills and strategies look like. It was very similar to early stages with the Phillies of building another department um, that hopefully lasts for a long, long time and makes a lot of impact. I'm so excited for you to have that broad spectrum of experience. It's, it's been fun and, and great, a great learning experience. And it's not easy to start from zero in, in any capacity because you've got to get buy-in, especially from the mental performance world where we're still arguably the new kid on the block. We're still the last seat at the table right now. And so it's still very challenging at sometimes to get people to buy in and realize that this is something that can help them. But I think once they do and they can see the work that we're doing and how it can impact both who they are as a performer and who they are as a person, it's like almost immediate buy-in. But you know, when people potentially get rubbed the wrong way in the past they're even more guarded and it's it's such a cliche but truly is like meeting them where they're at like if they're ready for it hit them with it if they're not we gotta we gotta really put in a lot of groundwork a lot of relationship building before we just jump right into this is what you need to do from a mental standpoint so that's that's I call it playing the long game um, because I think if you try too fast they're gonna run the other direction so it really is about getting to know your personnel and where they're at and what they need in that moment. Excellent. So that's what's going on in your professional life. Personally, you recently moved and I understand that your husband has taken on a new coaching job. So do you mind sharing with our listeners a little bit more about what's been happening in your personal life? Yeah, I would love to. Um, we're super excited. Jacob, my husband, he was the Titans coach at the University of Tennessee Chattanooga for the last four years and just accepted and received um, a quarterback's coach job at the University of Richmond in Richmond, Virginia. So we moved up to Virginia in February, right in the middle of spring training. I flew home for two days and signed the papers and flew right back. Um, and we've been there ever since and it's going great and camp's about to start up. So, but he's loving it. Change is never easy and really scary, but it's all for the better. And 
we also knew we were signing up for with him being a football coach. So we're, we were prepared for that. So we're, we're really excited for the fresh new journey and are really grateful for our time in Chattanooga. Awesome. Well, congratulations to him and you as a family. So since we've last had you on the podcast, it seems as though human performance optimization has gained considerable traction in recent years, and there is an abundance of resources, particularly for athletes. Do you have any thoughts on this trend? And is there anything that's gained notoriety that you've taken stock in, or perhaps anything that you are wary of? Such a good question. Yeah, I'm weary of a lot of things. Just there's so much out there. Well, it's such a it's such a double-edged sword, right? I think there's more traction because more people are realizing this is needed, right? From a mental health perspective and a mental performance perspective. So it's great that more people are creating content and writing books and starting podcasts and all these things. But the reality of it is a lot of it is incredibly superficial. And it's just somebody hopping on a podcast talking about random things. And so I think for starters, if you're looking to start getting into mental performance, it's like, do your actual research, like find people who have their education in this or have a ton of experience, right? If, if they don't have a master's degree, they better have been like in some kind of field or journey to get that like hands-on experience. But even if it's that, you still need to go into it realizing they're teaching from their experience alone. And so it's like, that could potentially hold people back, but people do need to be weary of like, are you educated? Do you have the one actual certification you can have in the U.S., which is called it's the certi- it's CMPC, um, Certified Mental Performance Coach, through the Association of Applied Sports Psychology? Like, that's technically the only accredited certification you can have as a mental performance coach. Or are you a sports psychologist? Do you have your Ph.D.? If they call themselves a sports psychologist, look up their educational background. Like, they might have been a clinical psychologist who just happen to work with athletes. So they may not have the mental performance side of education or they might, and they may be a dual, dual certified, which is really cool too. So I think it's just like genuinely do your research. Like don't just look at the number of followers they have because you can pay for followers. Now you can pay for fake comments. And so it's like, do your research. Like who, who do they have testimonies written about them? Do they, do you know somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody who knows them that you can get an honest opinion about them? But I'm more weary than I am good. But I think it's such a good thing, though, like I said in the beginning, that it it is getting more traction. But just do your research. Um, And then then with that being said, I think there's a lot of really good people out there doing good work. There's a lot of good people in the baseball world. Um, There's some people in the corporate world doing good work. But I think there's less people than we think doing really, really, really good work out there. And, And I will say, too, there's an influx of young practitioners coming up. Like, I think it's I think in the next 10 years, there it's going to blow us away how many mental performance coaches are out there. But there's a lot of young pups coming up who are wanting to get in and just doing your, know who you're talking to and where your information is coming from. Just make sure it's solid, make sure they're educated, make sure they're experienced um, before just taking something and running with it. I so appreciate your candor, your honest opinion. <laughs> Having a journalism background, I think I share the same perspective that you have and Before I even dive into something, whether it's an article, a book, a video, I just always tend to go and do my research about where that information is coming from before I even allow it into my consciousness because we have limited bandwidth and I'm not wasting it. So I share your perspective very much so. So true. I've even seen like really good mental performance coaches share content that wasn't accurate content and like get backlash forward. And because they didn't do what you just said, because they just didn't do their research. So even, even mental performance coaches should be doing the research. And, you know, if you're certified, the certification I was talking about earlier, you have to take continued education courses. So you're staying up to date on the latest research and science behind what it is that we're doing. You're not just quoting the the tweets and retweeting all that stuff on Twitter and social media, which I love social media and I hate social media at the same time. But I, I think it's just like, are they genuine? Are they finding their own content? Are they creating their own content? Or is it just constantly sharing other people's stuff? That's probably the other thing I would look out for. Yeah, it, social media is like a necessary evil at this point. Mm. And that being said, yeah. I guess this is a perfect time to segue into your hashtag mental sweat Monday <laughs> videos, which actually have really gained <laughs> genuine momentum over the years. So first I wanna commend you for staying so consistent. 
But how do you stay so motivated to share those messages? And what have you learned by sharing these impactful snippets? Yeah, great question. I can't believe it's been, I actually, something popped up on my you know phone memories a couple of days ago that three years ago, I created the logo for Mental Sweat, which is crazy. Um, I can't believe it's been three years, but you know, it, I'm not as consistent as I wish I could be at times, especially when season's going on and, you know, lives just, just get crazy. But I love putting information out there and creating traction and impacting people so much so that when I don't do it, I feel a void. Like I genuinely feel like, wait, I could be helping people. I could be sending this message out because every video I put out, I'm inundated, whether it's actual comments and likes, or if it's like messages and like, wow, get out of my head. Wow. Are you watching me? Wow. You're experiencing the same thing I am. And I love that. And I think, I don't think there's enough voices out there talking about real stuff. Like you, you said earlier, thank you for your, like being honest and candor. And I, I pride myself in that because I think there's not enough people in the world talking about the really, really hard things. And I mean, I'll be honest, there's hard things that I'm not even comfortable talking about with, but I hope to be one day, you know, and I think the more like it's not all sunshines and rainbows and you will you'll rarely even hear me say like just stay positive because I'm like yeah but you got to be realistic too you know and and like challenge after challenge after challenge and if we just sugarcoat things we're not emotionally processing things the right way and we're not able to accept it and overcome it and then flourish from that and so I think it's I think it's such a for me it's such a just like how can I be a real voice on here without cursing because that's actually who I really am but I lock it in on my mental sweat Mondays um you know, it, it's how can I be as real and honest and open as possible with an audience who is genuinely searching for that? I saw something probably probably three or four years ago that said humans crave honesty. Social media becomes so prevalent as it is, the further away from honesty we get. And that's really scary. And so I think if you can just be raw, real, honest and like, hey, life isn't easy, but here's a strategy to get you through this, or here's something that could potentially help you or try this on for size, right? I know it's not going to fit everybody. And I know every single video doesn't impact every single person. But if like one a month impacts you or one a year impacts you, then it's worth it. So it's just for me, it, it, it brings me joy. It truly does fulfill me. And I love having an impact and helping people and, and also letting people take a deep breath, realizing it's not all sunshines and rainbows and that's okay. But also not just saying it's not just sunshines or rainbows, but giving them something to do with those gloomy days. And, and I think that if we can impact them again, like in regular life and in performance, then so be it. That's the goal. So yeah, that's what keeps me going. Awesome. Thank you for giving us all that insight. You've also been a consistent and frequent contributor to the FDMY's Mental Performance Initiative and Leadership Under Fire Human Performance Programs. Is there a particular aspect of the FDNY and LUF human performance programs that resonates with you or perhaps make it uniquely different from what you commonly do and see in sport? Yeah, my my favorite thing, this is such an easy answer for me. I love this. My thing with the FDNY is when you get to come to New York and go to the Rock and work with these firefighters and lieutenants and, and captains and everybody and get to like see them do it hands-on and process it because... I think this is a misconception when it comes to mental performance. It's one thing to talk about a concept in a classroom and to have a conversation about something, which I obviously think is super, super important and to listen to it and to process it. But then it's a whole nother level, a whole nother level up to go out and actually do it, pause, think about whatever it is that we're working on, whatever skills we're trying to achieve and, and growth we're trying to learn and then reflect on it and then go do it again. And so we have like, you know, three drills where they're doing hands-on work that they would be doing when they work and we're pairing their physical work, their tactical work, their technical work with the mental side of things. And I think that's just, that's as a mental performance coach, that's my dream come true. Like in everything that we do, if we could somehow pair the physical skill with the mental skill, we're just going to make so much more impact versus just working on mental skills in a vacuum, if that makes sense, right? Just like, we're only going to, we'll just talk about confidence, but we're not actually going to go put it into play. We're going to talk about controlling your breath work, but we're not actually going to go hold you accountable when you're doing it. And I think the FDNY does such a cool job when we go through those courses of watching these grown men go through it. And they're so open-minded too. It, it's, I literally love going up there. Anytime I can get up there, I go, which is also a surprise because I don't love New York, but I do love going to work with, <laughs> with the FDNY. Um, but seriously, it, it's such, it's the bridge between physical and mental performance that blows my mind every time we go up there. 
I feel fortunate to um, just be a witness to what you're talking about. So yeah, that's awesome. You've worked with so many different groups. The scope and reach of your work as a mental skills coach continues to expand. What are you most excited about right now? Oh, that's a really good question. I'm most excited about the future. I don't know what the future holds, both from a professional and personal standpoint, but I feel really empowered and I feel really excited about what or how much impact I can have in the future and who we can impact and how we're going to do that and continue growing uh, mental sweat and its brand and um, seeing where, where the wind blows and, and where it takes us and how many more people we can keep impacting and, and bigger pictures. Like I'm excited to see where this field's going to go. Like I genuinely do believe it's gaining a lot of traction. I mean, I'm inundated with messages and stuff for speaking stuff and people just want it. And it's so cool. And that fires me up and, uh, and more and more young people wanting to get into the field. So I'm pretty excited to look back in like 10 to 15 years and, and think about where we've come from, you know, from fighting to be in a big league dugout last year and challenging MLB on that in 10 years, probably every team will have 10 plus. Um, so it, it's, it's really cool to see the growth that's already happened, but I think it's going to continue to trend up and trend up quickly. So that's what I'm excited about. That's so awesome. Thank you for sharing everything that you have so far. I know that your schedule is super packed, but I also like to dig into the minds of our guests. So do you have any book or podcast recommendations that you want to share that you've enjoyed recently or gained significant insight from? I always fall back on, well, it's funny. We have a book club right now and they're reading Legacy, the book about the All Blacks. And that's a great book. I haven't read it in a while. And and I picked it up the other day and started rereading it. And I was like, this book is full of gems. So it's called Legacy by James Kerr, I believe. And it's about the all black team. And it's pretty awesome. So I would say that is the latest one. And I don't listen to a ton of podcasts, but I always use snippets of Justin Suez, who's one of uh, my best colleagues in the field. He does a super short three to five minute um, podcast on a daily basis. Can't remember what I was called right now. Sorry, Justin. Um, but it's, yeah, it's by Justin Suet. You can find it. It's pretty easy um, to find, but that's a good one for me because I, I think sometimes we don't have, you know, hours on end to listen to podcasts at times, but if you want a quick three to five minute daily little snippet, similar to Mental Sweat Mondays, but in podcast form and, and on a daily basis, that's a great one. And he's, He's, he's qualified. He's incredibly qualified in my book. So I would trust anything that he says and, and any way that he leads. Excellent. Thank you for those recommendations. Yeah, of course. Well, I'm excited to revisit this episode. So thank you for taking the time to catch us up to speed and listeners enjoy our conversation from 2019. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Patty. I'm going to go back and listen to the whole conversation too, just to see what's changed. <laughs> but thank you for having me. Hannah, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Patty. How are you? What have you been working on lately? I am good. I have been all over the place lately. Um, I was in the Dominican Republic last week, and I'm currently in Arizona right now, um, checking on some of our players who are playing in the Arizona Fall League. So things are good, slowing down a little bit with the offseason, but Still lots of exciting things happening right now. So for our listeners who don't know, you joined the Phillies as a mental performance coach in January 2018. Obviously, we hear a lot about mental performance in sports, especially baseball. Can you give us an overview of your responsibilities within the organization? Yeah. So basically, the main thing I do is meet with our players one-on-one individually. Um, and then sometimes we do some group workshops and basically just be there as a support system for them and help them going through any experience that they could be going through, whether they're, you know, playing really well or struggling in some way, shape or form, um, just being that support system for them and the coaching staff as well. But it's, it's unique. You know, every day looks different. Every day isn't the same. And people always ask like, what's a day in the life? And <laughs> it's completely different every day, you know, tra- with traveling and then going to all the affiliates. A lot of people don't understand that it's not just one big league team. Mm -hmm. Um, we have affiliates all over and so it's a lot of traveling and 
working with all the guys at the different levels. And then we have like, our home base is in Clearwater, Florida, and mm-hmm. we have basically three teams there. And that's where injured athletes are too. So you spend a lot of time there too. But yeah, it's just basically supporting them and helping them grow and get better on a daily basis. And instead of focusing on the physical side, like everybody else focuses on, we're really trying to focus on the mental aspect of their game. And eventually, I want to dive deeper into those mental skills that you're working on with players. But first, I wanted to ask you about working in professional baseball as a woman. And I know, like, P.S., you're preaching to the choir about working in a male-dominated field. But I just want to know how you approach working in Major League Baseball as a woman. And, you know, what's your mindset? What are your goals? Yeah, so... It's definitely interesting, um, but it's, it's been pretty amazing. My experiences so far, everyone's super open arms and trying to figure it out. You know, it's, you do stick out whether you like it or not, mm-hmm. um, and really trying to find your place and find where you fit and find where, where you can have the most access to the players and the staff and how you can support them best without overstepping your boundaries or without making them feel uncomfortable in any way, shape, or form. So it's a lot about communicating and knowing what your role is and knowing that this is their crazy world and you know not completely changing who you are but trying to make sure you are conforming to their world and not like well it should be this way or it should be that way or mm-hmm. we should do it this it's, it's okay this is how you've done it let's see how we can maybe make it even better um and it's interesting bring, being a female perspective bringing that to the table right because you have, you just can almost build different relationships. I wouldn't say better or worse, but they're just different. And I always say, I think it's harder to, as a female, get your foot in the door. Mm-hmm. Um, but once you're in and it, you prove that you can do good work and that you bring value to the table, then I think it can be a huge asset, especially in the mental skills world of, of building those trusting relationships and letting them know that they can say anything and everything to me and mm-hmm. knowing that that's not going to get out to anyone else mm-hmm. and just being that source of comfort for them when maybe other people aren't, you know, and, and most of the guys have good support systems, but it's just somebody who's there, somebody they trust, somebody who isn't going to affect their playing time or anything like that, but just totally supporting them. Mm -hmm. I know you said that every day is different, but do you have any goals in mind when you show up at work? Are there things that you want to make sure that you're hitting or doing for your professional career? That's a good question. Um, Like you said, the days are totally different. Um, And we usually come in and we have a checklist. So like our number one priority is checking with the players and Mm -hmm. and making sure we have like, we have a huge Excel sheet of when's the last time we met with them. When do we need to check up again? So it's making sure we're staying up to date on the one-on-one sessions for sure. Um, And then the goals change per affiliate, right? If there's, if you go into affiliate and they need this, then we provide that. And so it's, it's making sure we talk to players and staff on a daily basis of, hey, is there something we're missing? Is there something we need to know? Is there something we can be doing? Um, and also making sure we're really integrating mental skills as part of the culture. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much the number one goal I have is just making sure this isn't something that they do at the end of the day. This isn't something that, you know, you, you only have to do if everything's going really bad in your performance, right? It's mm-hmm. actually being able to be proactive about it and talk about this before and make it a part of who we are and and make sure the players know how serious this is and how important it is and that stems from all the other staff you know it, it, mm-hmm. it can't really come from us it kind of needs to be supported by other people so it's making sure that that happens too mm-hmm. is, is that we are a part of the culture on a daily basis it's i really a huge daily goal i really appreciate that response because it transcends gender or even jobs, right? Like, you know, I show up to work and I kind of view it as I'm an individual. I have subject matter expertise. I come to the table doing my job. Somebody else comes to the table as an individual doing their job and together we collaborate and work towards a goal. So that's very transferable, I think. Yeah, I love that. And I've, I've always said, you know, you're the expert in baseball and I'm the expert in mental skills. Let's work together and create this excellent, mentally tough baseball player right like I'm not I'm not overstepping boundaries but I'm just saying how can we take it to the next level how can we make sure if physically you got it mentally do you got it so 
But yeah. that takes a lot of confidence, right, to to come to the table and say, you know, I'm going to hold my own against or amongst other subject matter experts. So how did you develop your own confidence? I love, 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 love this question. Um, I think the best answer I can give you is, so when I played softball, I was constantly looking for other people for those affirmations and that confidence, whether it was family or friends or teammates or even the coaching staff. Like I was always, always, always looking like, okay, I'm about to hit. I look down at their big line. I'm looking at my coach and I'm always wanting that source of confidence from him immediately right there. And you don't always get it. And I didn't realize it then. Um, but I realize it now that I was looking for confidence in all the wrong places and all the wrong people that the only person who can affect my confidence and what I was going to do at the plate was me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't realize that until after. And that is a huge part of why I'm super passionate about this is making sure that you're not waiting too long to find something from someone else that has to come from you. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's how I got my confidence. Is I finally realized like nobody's going to pump you up. No one's going to fire you up. Nobody's going to tell you what you need to hear. It's, it's got to come from you. It's got to stem from you. And so I mean, there are definitely days where I don't feel confident about something that's happening or a conversation I had, but it's like, how can we grow from that? How can we learn from that and be more confident if that conversation happens again? But it is a daily reminder. Like, I do belong here. Like, I didn't get this from luck. Like, I know I can do this and some days are challenging and some days are easy. And But it's it's that daily reminder of if you don't have confidence in yourself, not really sure anybody else is going to have confidence in you, especially being a mental skills coach, right? We're trying to instill confidence in these players. And if I get there and I'm not confident, like, what is that telling them? So it's really trying to exemplify what I'm trying to get them to do for sure. Mm -hmm. And I have to say one of the first times I witnessed you put your confidence, you know, kind of on display was back in 2017 when you presented to a group of FDNY leaders. And you have been back to the department several times since then to contribute to the FDNY's Mental Performance Initiative. Side note, Mm -hmm. listeners, if you want to learn more about that, you can listen to episode number five of the podcast featuring Jason Bresler. Hannah, what brought you to the FDNY? Yeah, so I was working in New York City for a private practice. Um, called Sports Strata with Dr. Jonathan Fader. And he was really good friends with Jason Bresler. And so they made that connection and all that went off and we started doing awesome things and we started presenting with FBNY and it was awesome. Mm -hmm. And that's how it started. It was just a connection, a friend who I was working with. He had a friend and we just kind of went from there. Mm Mm-hmm. And I, like I said, I was in the room the first time you presented to the group and you just handled that whole situation with such grace and poise, <laughs> but a little bit of sass. So you could tell that, you know, you did have that confidence in your subject matter expertise, as we were talking about. And I, so many people walked away with so much from that conversation what are some of the things you've worked on within the department for people who obviously haven't been a part of the initiative? Yeah, I think it's funny because before I answer that question, it's to me, like I'm a, I'm a tough critic, right? When, when someone's presenting to me, like I'm constantly critiquing that. And so before I do anything, before I say anything, before I present anything, I'm like, what would I say to what I'm about to say? Like, (laughs) would I be like, that's absurd. Would I be like, I don't believe her. What would I say? And so, I'm constantly trying to take a very serious situation and put a little sense of humor to it or be a little sarcastic to it. And that's my personal style. And I think people have different styles and, and people relate to whatever those styles are. You know, you're not always going to get along and always not always going to hit it off with people, but I think it's really, really, really important to know what your style is and go with it and be authentically you when you're presenting. So like, that's definitely where that sass and sarcasm and, <laughs> maybe a few curse words here and there come in to play when, um, especially when you're talking to a group of men, which typically that is my audience. So, um, but with the FBNY, we worked on a lot of different things. We worked on imagery. We worked on mindfulness. We worked on um, different kinds of scripts. We worked on breathing a lot um, and really trying to be in the present moment and really, really taking advantage of the moments that they had in different moments when they're practicing 
-hmm. and how can they be the best mentally in that moment like there was a lot of like stop for example it's like stop 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 or go 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 stop go 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 stop and like in those moments where they have to stop how Mm -hmm. can they control their breathing a little bit more how can they be in the present moment how can they control their thoughts Mm -hmm. instead of just running rampant running all over the place and being out of control with their body and like so helping them really really hone in to what is going on mentally right now, making sure you're checking in and taking advantage of those moments throughout whatever you're doing to help you perform the best in whatever it is. Yeah, it was really interesting to watch that interaction because obviously here are, you know, firefighters going through tactical drills and there you are, a mental skills coach standing nearby helping them work through all of all of those different scenarios and skills from mm-hmm. your perspective. And um, I think that practical application really drove home some of those points. Yeah, it was super cool because one of the things I talk about a lot too is I can have an amazing conversation with somebody, you know, sitting up in an office, you have this conversation and they're like, yeah, I get it. I want to do it. Awesome. And then they go out and it's up to them to actually do it. Mm-hmm. And I always think a super important part of that is bridging the conversations in the office or wherever and the actual physical doing of whatever we were talking about and I think that what you're talking about is like they're in this drill and I'm standing right there and that's bridging that cast right Mm -hmm. it's not just sitting in an office talking about it it's let's go out and do it and then if it doesn't work out let's figure out why and if it does work let's figure out why and repeat that and keep going but like making sure you bridge that gap of not just knowing what you should be doing but actually doing it and putting it into play which I think is a really really challenging part when it comes to mental skills right And I think you described some of the mental skills that you're coaching members on at the FDNY. Which skills have they adopted the most in your opinion? I would definitely say breathing is the number one. I would say breathing and some kind of version of mindfulness and present moment focus, Mm -hmm. Um, making sure that they're not, their mind is where their body is and that they're actually checking in and not just thinking about what they're supposed to be doing or what they, what they just did that maybe didn't work so well or whatever's happening. Like how can you get into the present moment? And to me, those go hand in hand. Right? It's, it's very difficult to be in the present moment if you're not aware of your breathing mm-hmm. and vice versa. It's very difficult to actually be aware of your breathing patterns if you aren't in the present moment. So I think those go hand in hand, but I would, I would definitely say those are the top two skills for sure. Do you find that that's the case across the various industries that you work within? Oh, good question. Yeah. You know, I really do. Mm -hmm. I really do think so. My, I get asked a lot, what is my philosophy and everything I try to teach stems from awareness because I'm a huge believer in if you don't know, you can't grow, right? If you don't know what's going on inside your mind, inside your head, in, especially under pressure situations, there's no way we're going to be able to change that and to adapt and to either make it better or to do it again or to stay away from it, right? And so mindfulness and present moment all comes back to that awareness piece. And obviously the breath falls right into place with that. So I do. I do think awareness and mindfulness and present moment and breathing is, is one of the top most important mental skills and very, very common mm-hmm. in all different entities. So you're also a human performance advisor to Leadership Under Fire, and you've worked with people from various industries, as we just talked about. What are some Mm -hmm. of the parallels you've noticed amongst high-risk, ultra-competitive performers? I would probably say the most common thing is the studs of the studs, like the elite of the elite, are always trying to find what they can do next. Like they're always trying to find the edge over their opponent. And I think that's super important because it's, you're keeping an open mind. You're wanting to always continue to grow and have that growth mindset instead of just, Hey, I made it or I'm this good, or I got this far with this. Why do I need anything else? It's like, no, I got this far. What else can I add? What else can I do? And usually right now it's becoming a little more common, but that one thing they can add is a mental component to it. You know, they've all heard about it. Everybody knows the mind game is so important. Like, Oh, it's so mental. This is so mental. What? Is, and it's like, but what are you actually doing for that? Like, are you just giving yourself a pep talk? Are you just li- watching one motivational video? Like before you go out, like, no, like let's make that part of who you are. And, and I think that's, I think that's one of the biggest ones, always trying to find mm-hmm. the next thing, the edge, the, the part that's going to separate them from everybody else. 
So definitely the polar opposite of complacent. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. 100%. And you just... And usually the complacent guys are are my toughest clients, to be totally honest. Mm -hmm. The, The players, the athletes, the performers who just come in and are like, yeah, I think everything's good. Mm-hmm. they're like I'm fine everything's going well and maybe things are going well which is awesome but usually there's something we can be working on so no doubt right now I want to dive into some specific mental skills I've heard you talk about these topics and I've watched in real time as people respond to you I'm looking forward to sharing more of that today but before we get to it can you tell our listeners what is hashtag mental sweat Monday so Mental Sweat Monday is a one-minute video that is, I posted on Instagram and I posted on LinkedIn and I post it every single Monday. And I started doing this at the beginning of the year and it kind of just came about, you know, I was trying to figure out a way to educate people on what exactly I do because people ask me all the time, like, what do you do? Like, what is a mental skills coach? Uh, and like, they think they know or they're totally off. And so I was like, How can I educate people about what I do and how can I also help just general public performers, athletes, whoever, to remind themselves that it's just as important to check on the mental side of your game as it is to check on the physical side. And I think we're in this world, right, where social media is taking over and asking and telling you, you have to work out, you have to do yoga, you have to to get this many steps in a day, you have to drink this much water, right? We're obsessed with this physical sweat, like breaking this physical sweat. You have to break a physical sweat to stay healthy. And I think now it's mental health is getting thrown out a little bit more than it was, but it's like, to me, it was, how can I compare taking care of your mind as taking care of your body? And so that's where mental sweat, because I'm trying to get everyone to break a mental sweat and not just a physical sweat. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so it's just a one minute video on LinkedIn and Instagram with all different kinds of tips and tricks and stories and ways that you can be checking in mentally on how you're doing. And it's not just for athletes. If you are alive, if you are a human being, if you are a parent or a sibling, or you have a job, like you are performing in some way, shape or form. And if you're performing like this is for you and it's, it's, it's pretty cool. I've gotten some really awesome responses from it, but hopefully we'll keep it going. But it's, it's really cool. It's just, to me, it's to remind people that as much as we know, we need to check in physically. Don't forget about checking in mentally. I think one of my favorite ones was a a Monday that you posted about struggling to get that post up, that you were actually going through your own struggles to actually get the Mental Sweat Monday in. And I was like, I so appreciate that honesty. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I try to keep it super real. And that was a tough day. I had like I was supposed to have like a two hour flight and ended up being almost a 10, 12 hour travel day. Mm-hmm. And I think the message was do it anyway. You know, when, when, when you know people are going to understand when it's okay, when you don't have to do it, like do it anyway. Mm-hmm. Like that's what's going to separate you from everybody else. Do it anyway. But it's real. It's broad. And it, it comes from ideas like that happen on a daily basis. A lot of them are things that I experience. So I'm training for half marathon right now. And a lot of it is things that I experience in, in my run or in my training mm-hmm. and that I know other people are experiencing it too. And so just, if it can help one other person, then that's a win for me. This is brilliant. How did you come up with the idea for it? I was trying to find a way to share my knowledge and information mm-hmm. and show people how important this is and what and what exactly I do. And so it just, I was thinking about a podcast. I was thinking about a YouTube channel. I was thinking about a bunch of things. And I know Instagram is kind of hot right now as a mm-hmm. social media point. And I was like, maybe I could do a couple of videos. And I was like, you know what? Maybe I can keep it short and sweet, do one minute videos and see how that, see how that goes. And been so, so far so good, but it was kind of, it was pretty random. Like, and then the name, um, my husband helped me come out with the name and to sweat Monday, give him a little shout out there. <laughs> but it, it, yeah, it kind of came out of nowhere. I appreciate it. And it's accessible. So that's yeah. great. So in the spirit of hashtag Mental Sweat Monday, I'm going to name several mental skills, and I want you to give a quick definition for our listeners and perhaps a tip on how to optimize their performance using this skill. Is that cool with you? Yeah. Okay. Let's do it. And this is in no particular order. So we're going to start off with self-talk. Go. Self-talk 
is the inner dialogue you have inside your head with yourself that can be either verbally or it can be inside your head. Um, so it's that inner dialogue and self-talk is very, very, very important in your performance. Um, and I think the number one thing I would want you to take away is I think the world pushes positive self-talk on people and it doesn't have to be always positive. Um, the way I like to talk about it is optimistic realism. Mm -hmm. So be real with yourself, you know, like, like I would never tell a hitter to go up and think you're going to hit a home run every time you have an at bat. Right. But I want you to be real about what you want with a little optimistic spin on top. So I call it an optimistic cherry um, because I think it's important to know what's actually going on and to create that awareness. Right. Mm -hmm. But I think it's important to make sure you have a little bit of optimism with that viewpoint as well. Perfect. The next one on my list is imagery. Imagery is creating or recreating events, an event inside your mind. And the most important part about imagery is making sure you make it polysensory, which is a super fancy way of saying using all the senses. So don't just see yourself doing something, feel it, hear it, taste it, touch it, what all, use all of the senses to make sure that you're getting that full experience because those same neurons are actually firing in your brain as if you were actually physically doing it. Mm -hmm. And so if you're injured or there's a reason why you can't be doing something, you can 100% practice imagery. And it's important to your performance, especially important when you, for some reason, cannot be playing. When, when, when you can't be performing, when maybe you're just sitting at home and you're thinking about, it can also be an event that you have done before mm -hmm. or that you haven't been able to complete before. Maybe it's a task that's really, really challenging and you're trying to learn how to do it, you can visualize and practice imagery seeing yourself performing it successfully. Um, and again, like those same neurons are going to fire and your brain is going to get those reps in as if you were actually physically doing it. And are players really seeing a response to this using this technique? When done properly, absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, I think the hardest part about imagery is keeping yourself accountable mm -hmm. and doing it because like, we, we make an awesome imagery script and it's up to you to take it home and do it and practice it and believe in it and believe that it's going to work. Um, so I think, I think the, the people who have and the performers who totally buy into it have absolutely seen results from that. Next on my list, one of my favorites, humor. Ooh, humor. Such a good one. <laughs> to me, I think, I think you have to find your own humor and I think you have to be able to laugh at yourself. Um, we talk about a lot, especially in the sport of baseball. If, you, if you're afraid of being embarrassed, if you're afraid of looking silly, then you're in the wrong field, right? And it's, it's being able to laugh at yourself before others laugh at you. And I, I saw a quote one time that says, the most, the most confident person in the room is the person laughing at themselves, right? Mm -hmm. Because they're not worried about what other people think. They're not worried about how other people are judging them or seeing them. And I think, I think the minute you can realize that who cares what other people are looking at you? Who cares what other people are thinking about you? And being able to laugh at yourself is when you take off so much pressure that you don't even know you're putting on yourself. And I think that, I think to me, that's the most important part about humor. And to me, humor goes with smiling. Like there's so many studies, so many psychology studies about the effect smiling can do for you. And it goes humor, smile and, and enjoyment, right? Mm -hmm. If you know how to use that sense of humor, and you can enjoy your sport or you can enjoy whatever you're doing. If you enjoy what you're doing, you're going to be better at it. Mm -hmm. If you if you enjoy doing podcasts, you're going to be a great podcaster, right? If you enjoy playing baseball, you're going to be a better baseball player. Mm -hmm. And so I think that all goes together. How can you create this sense of humor, a smile, enjoyment to make your game better, even when things aren't going the way that you want them to go? Pretty, pretty important. Yeah, that's powerful. How about goal setting? Goal setting. To me, goal setting is a two-parter. Um, you have process goals and you have outcome goals. You have short-term goals and you have long-term goals. They're all accurate, but you have to make sure you ask how. Mm -hmm. That is the secret to goal setting. If you just set a goal, I want to be an MVP. I want to win a championship. I want to get a promotion. I want to get a raise. I want to be whatever and you don't know how you're going to do it, then you're not going to achieve it. And so anytime I have a conversation about goal setting, say your goal, then ask, how are you going to do that? And then once you tell yourself how you're going to do it, ask yourself how you're going to do that. And keep going until you're like, what do you mean how? That's how. 
and that's the starting point for your goals. I think goals are the most common used mental skill, mm-hmm. but they're also the most common misused mental skill. And so I think they can be awesome when used the right way. That's like excellent. That. How about you mentioned this earlier, and we hear it a lot, mindfulness. Ooh, mindfulness, my favorite. Mindfulness is being aware in the present moment, non-judgmentally. Also How does one do that? <laughs> what? How does one do that? <laughs> yeah, it's really hard. And that's, I think, I think that's a great question, Patty, because mental skills are very simple concepts. Okay. Just be in the present moment, but they're very, very difficult to actually implement mm-hmm. and to do. And so, I mean, we like, it takes a really, really long time to be a mindful person. And so it, it starts with creating that awareness. You know, it starts with this misconception that mindfulness, you have to be in a dark room with your legs crisscross applesauce and your, you know, pinkies touching your thumb. Like you don't have to do that. You can be, you can practice mindfulness when you're playing with your kids. You can practice mindfulness when you're doing the dishes, when you're driving. One of my favorite analogies is, have you ever gotten in the car, you leave one place and you end up at the next place and you're like, how the hell did I get here? Right. And mm-hmm. it's like, that is mindlessness driving like you, you are not mindful you are not in the moment and so it's just it's checking in and and almost everybody has experienced these mindful moments like for example if you walk outside and you're just walking all of a sudden you're like wow what a beautiful day like it feels absolutely incredible out here like you are fully in that moment right then and there mm-hmm. whereas other days you run out and you're like on your phone you're looking for something and you don't even notice what the temperature is and so it's just it's those like small tiny check-ins on a regular basis. Like that's the, that's the building block number one of, of practicing mindfulness is where are you at right now? Are you here? Be where your feet are. It's another way of saying it, right? If your feet are here, your body's here, is your mind with your body. And, and it, it becomes a very, very powerful source in anything you do in life. If you can be in the present moment, like regardless of what it is, you are going to be better at it. If you can be in the present moment, instead of, stressing about the future or worrying about the past. Right. And that definitely comes into play when performing. For sure. And that leads right into my next one, which is gratitude. An attitude of gratitude. So we talk about this a lot, right? Is a lot of times you don't realize what you actually have. And it's almost very similar to mindfulness, right? Is do you realize the situation you're in, the job that you have, the position that you have, the opportunity that you have? And there's so many studies out there about why practicing gratitude is helpful to who you are as a human being and especially who you are as a performer. I think as human beings, we have a natural negative bias, right? Mm-hmm. We are like trained and raised to notice the bad, the dangerous, the scary things around us when the reality of it is it takes, it's actually really, really challenging to find the good. And I think, Practicing gratitude helps you find the good in whatever it is that you're going through, no matter what it is, whether it's a hardship, whether things are going amazing. Like if you can write down three things you're grateful for every day or even just say them to yourself or say them to somebody else or tell somebody you're thankful for them, like that impact is profound. Absolutely. So we covered a bunch. Thank you for that. Um, Yeah. I want to know, what do you consider a foundational mental skill? 100% 100% awareness, <laughs> without a doubt. I, I actually don't think, so all of those we just said, self-talk, imagery, humor, goal-setting, mindfulness, gratitude, you, you can't achieve those if you're not aware. Mm-hmm. You cannot achieve that if you do not know what's going on in your head. And I think to really like stress that point home, it's like when you're under pressure and something happens and you do something and you're, you're, you're after the fact, whatever happens, whether it's an at-bat or a fire or whatever, happens and you go back and you think about how your performance was if you don't remember what you were thinking about or why you made the decision that is poor awareness mm-hmm. and you can't do anything to get better or to change it right if, if you performed well why what were you thinking well I don't know well mm-hmm. then how are you going to do it again how mm-hmm. do you know what you were doing right or if you performed poorly well what were you thinking I don't know well now how are we going to grow from that and so awareness, like of your thoughts, awareness, and that's why those mindfulness check-ins are so important because if you aren't checking in, you're not going to know, mm-hmm. especially with how our brain works and how many thoughts pop into our head per second, per day, per hour. Like it's, it's crazy. 
Mm-hmm. And so to really try to get internal and listen to what it, whatever it is you're saying, whether it's good, bad, indifferent, it doesn't matter. The power of awareness lies in the awareness alone, mm-hmm. regardless of, it, of what it is. If you're aware, that's a win. And we can grow from that and we can get better from that. Mm-hmm. And it's often said the first step is always the hardest, like being self-aware is a journey in itself. <laughs> without a doubt, without a doubt. And, and most people are very poor at self-awareness which creates bad self-evaluators, mm-hmm. which is challenging to get better. If mm-hmm. you don't know, like, again, if you don't know, you cannot grow. So mm-hmm. it's, it's being aware of everything. You know, we know, uh, well, yeah, you know. <laughs> we know, we know. <laughs> we know. We know, we know how important it is. <laughs> you mentioned this a little bit earlier, but I wanted to really specifically drive this point home. When do you tell the athletes or the performers you're working with to practice mental skills? That's an awesome question. It depends. It depends on everybody, right? Some people, I'll ask them to journal for 15 minutes every night. Some people, I won't even say the word journaling to because I know my audience, right? Again, being aware, like, is this person even interested in that? And so it changes. It changes from, hey, do do five minutes of video, do 10 minutes of imagery, and that's it. Do 15 minutes total. Or try something, see how it works. Do it for do mindfulness for one minute. See how that goes. And then try it for five minutes. And then try it for 10 minutes. And then and then you get the guys who are like, hey, do you have a progressive muscle relaxation script? Or do you have a mindfulness like 30 minutes? I want to do it for a long time. And so I think the most important part of that question is to start small. Mm-hmm. Right? If if mindfulness is daunting to you, if journaling is daunting to you, if goal setting is daunting to you. Start small. Do one thing today that will get you closer to that. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, maybe in two, three months from now, all of a sudden you're love, you love to journal. You love to practice mindfulness. Or you have the most epic goal-setting chart ever known to mankind, right? And, and I think it all starts with starting small and then kind of figuring out your comfort level. Because to me, worst-case scenario is, okay, go practice 30 minutes of mindfulness tonight. And they hate it. Or they don't right. like it. Or it's too time-consuming. And so... Especially, I get it, like, everyone's super busy, everybody has a lot going on, and so it's like, how can we make this easy, quick, Mm -hmm. and impactful at the same time? Right. The good news is it's scalable, so that's great. Absolutely. For sure. And you have to find what works for you, because not all of these all of these mental skills have to work for you. You don't have to do all of these. It's all what you have to kind of trial and error on what you like to do and what you like to implement and what you don't. Right. I have to ask, where does your love for mental skills coaching come from? Oh, that's such a good question. I love that. I think it's, I think it's kind of going back to just my playing career. And I've, I've kind of always been the person people just talk to and tell things to and, and, have conversations with and my mom actually has her master's degree in clinical psychology mm-hmm. and so she's always kind of been an amazing listener to me and for me and taught me how to be a good listener and to communicate and to build those relationships with people and so I think I've always somewhat done that and then I think it just went to a whole nother level when we could tie psychology in with sports which is the biggest passion I have in my life is, you know, I always wanted to play sports. I always wanted to be involved with sport and I never knew what that was going to look like. I thought I was going to be a strength coach for a little bit, a softball coach for a little bit. And I am a coach. It's just a different kind of coach. It's on the other side and it's, it's pretty powerful, but I think it just comes from my love of sport. Like my mom always being an amazing role model for me. And then just my own experiences as a softball and basketball player and knowing that like, I don't even know where I would be right now if I had those mental skills, but I also know I wouldn't be here right now. And so it's it's like, you want to go back and do it again, but then it's like, you know what? It's led me to where I am today and pretty awesome gig I have today. So totally can't complain too much. <laughs> One of the <laughs> approaches of yours that I've always taken note of and appreciated is the fact that you have a successful career as an athlete in your own right, but you always seem to be able to keep that kind of close to the vest when dealing with other players and only picking that out when it's appropriate. And I I, I appreciate that sort of, like I said, approach to your coaching. And, and how has that 
led to your success, you think? Because I've heard you talk about this a little bit before. Yeah, I, I think it's it's vital. Like, uh, you know, not all mental skills coaches have played sports before. And there's very, very, very few things that I hear that I myself haven't experienced or gone through or somebody that I'm very close to hasn't gone through it, whether it's a friend or, you know, a like prior performer that I've worked with. But I think you're exactly right. The the secret, if you want to say that, is making sure you separate my experiences and this person's experiences. Because just because maybe we both have the exact same injury, that doesn't mean what they're going through is the same as what I went through. And so it's 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 almost bringing that experience to the table, but just letting it sit. And <laughs> as cliche as it is, it's being aware of that bias that you have mm-hmm. in that conversation and knowing, okay, I know that this is what I did and I know this worked and I know this didn't work, but let's see how they want to handle this and Mm -hmm. see what they think is going to work best for them and kind of navigate through those two roads to create the optimal path for them. And it it ends up usually being, again, going back to their expertise and my expertise, it's it's a whole new road, right? It's not Mm -hmm. probably the road they want to go. It's not the road I probably would have gone because I'm not them. Mm -hmm. And so it's finding that new path for them to create the best line of success for that specific individual, which I think is the challenging part about mental skills is you can have an awesome conversation about goal setting with somebody and an awesome conversation about goal setting with somebody else. And they're two completely different conversations. And I think that's where the power lies is it doesn't look the same for everybody. Mm-hmm. And so stay open-minded is what I say about mental skills, because you might've had an experience where you didn't really like it, but it's like, there's not just one way to do anything as we know. And mm-hmm. that's very true with mental skills too. I think that's just such a valuable leadership lesson, just having that sort of humble approach. Um, So I appreciate that. And it's transferable. So that's great. I really appreciate that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. When did you decide this would be the career path for you? I decided my senior year of undergrad, after I took that class, uh, I took a class in sports psychology my senior year. And I was trying to figure out what the heck I was going to do once I graduated. And... I was like, maybe I should just keep going to school. And so I did a ton of research on sports psychology master's programs and found an awesome fit at the University of Tennessee. It was a super applied program, um, which is is very hands-on and like getting to actually do the work instead of just write a lot of papers. We did write a lot of papers, but we got to be do a lot of really, really cool things too. Mm -hmm. And that's when I decided to go do it. But it was, it was really cool that that class it's so funny, you just walk into a class and you have no clue what that class is about to do. But I had a really awesome professor and she instilled the love of that for me because the love of sport was already there. And now the love and the passion for the mental side of it and helping people grow and become the best that they can be on the mental side is super, super important to me. With that said, what does the future hold? I don't know. We'll see. I am, like I said, doing mental stuff Monday videos. There's been talks of a podcast. There's been talks of like continuing it to see if if and how it should change or whatever it's going to be. Um, and I, I think the only thing I know for sure is I want to like get more into public speaking um, and doing public speaking events and and really just getting out there and, and talking to a lot of people about the importance of all of this. So who knows what the future holds? I'm excited to find out. But right now I just finished year two with the Phillies and we're getting prepared for year three. And it's pretty awesome. Wow, that went by fast. Yeah, I know, right? So the crazy. days are I long, the years are short. Oh my god! <laughs> already three. I'm already on year three. It's crazy, but it's it's really really good, and I'm super super excited and happy and love being a part of this organization. And I love the idea of you doing more public speaking because, again, I've seen you in person just sort of command a room and also just be so generous with your knowledge, and you really are helping so many people in so many ways that, you know, and myself included. So thank you for all of your valuable lessons that you've shared. And thank you for being here today. I appreciate it. Patty, thank you so much. No, I I really hope all of that works out. And I'm going to keep doing everything I can to keep impacting as many people as I can and teaching people the importance of the mental side of performance. And not just, it's not just all about physical, but how important the mental aspect is. But thank you for having me. I had a blast today, Patty. And good luck with your half marathon. Thank you. It's in five days. Ah, hydrate. (laughs) 
<laughs> I will. Thank you so much. Awesome. The Leadership Under Fire podcast provides a platform that helps to prepare performance leaders to navigate the moral, mental, emotional, intellectual, and physical rigors in high-risk and ultra-competitive settings by developing strength of mind, body, character, and critical thought. For more on this, visit...